Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. What is leverage, you ask? It's a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively. It's bringing something to the table that's tangible that you've already done. It's bringing a reputation. It's not having your hat in your hand and asking somebody to understand the potential that you see. That's what it's going to take to be successful in the music industry. As a songwriter, as an indie artist, you have to become a small business first, and then the doors are going to open for you as the, for the most part here, the development's out the window. That's why we called it the CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. And the genius wordsmith, word man, word boy that came up with that is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and on a regular basis, he'll connect you with the pro so you can get a nap out, you can get an opportunity, see where you're standing amongst the competition there. Find Brent really easy at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound and they help you grow your audience so you can become the artist that everybody loves and so you can get paid. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's up, brother? (sighs) I'm ready to go, man. This is fun. It's going to be a good day. We We got like interviews all day. I know. It's good stuff. Talking to cool people. people. Yeah, finding out like cool stories. Like it's all, and guess what? Everyone's different. There's not one that said, I pulled this file out and here was the plan and I just followed that and then I started making a living. (laughs) Right, there are two paths to success in the music business. Today we're drawing from the B file and (laughs) no. There's a million people that did exactly the same thing and were able to create the same results in their lives. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we're going to find out what she's for breakfast and uh, what she meditates on. And that's going to basically all you need to know. And that's that, all you need to know. Then you're, tomorrow you're going to be, you're going to get a cut. Yeah. <laughs> so who are we going to interview real quick? Let's tease this before we get into a little bit of business. Oh, uh, well, this is a, a co-writing buddy of mine. We haven't written in a few years, but uh, it's how I got to know our next guest. And she is, uh, she's a, heck of a songwriter she's had some singles on the radio bunch of cuts artists you have heard of she is also a public speaker goes and speaks to colleges and and corporate events that kind of stuff on some topics that are really relevant for what we're going to talk about she's also a running full run your legs off i would die she runs marathons uh, which is very appropriate for someone in the music business because it is a marathon and just all around great person and and a buddy and so we're going to talk to uh and we'll give her name in a second Right on. Well, first, before we do that, we just want to give a shout out to Disc Makers. We're proud to be, uh, the Climb Podcast is proud to partner with Disc Makers. They've been supporting indie musicians before indie music was even a thing. And whenever you're ready out there, guys, to make CDs, DVDs, vinyl, uh, if you want to distribute your music and videos with customized USBs, which is becoming a real hot thing, by the way, we're going to be doing this with a few of our artists. I love that. Uh, just go to discmakers.com, D-I-S-C, makers.com. It's the only place you need to go. 
Yeah, and while you're on the website, you can check out their other resources like posters, stickers, T-shirts, and download some of their excellent free guides. They've actually just revised and expanded their home studio handbook, which is full of practical advice about mic placement, acoustic treatments, and all that stuff that is foreign to me as a lyricist. But it really covers a lot to beginners like me, or even those of you with your own home studio and some studio chops can really learn from. Um, Again, you can check them out at www.discmakers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. I always feel very professional when I read that kind of stuff, like I'm Bobby Bones. <laughs> right on. Well, listen, guys. Uh, we're hey, in Arkansas uh, swag. On another note, if you haven't joined the CLIMB community, um, it is growing every single day. Find us on Facebook. Just search for the CLIMB community. Ask to be let in. We let everybody in. There's a lot of good stuff going on there, right, Brent? Like, yes, sir. Uh, you know, people asking questions, getting creating relationships and songwriting, um, asking marketing questions. And Brent and I still are just getting in there all the time and, and answering direct questions to the best of our ability, mm-hmm. try to put people in the right direction. And uh, it's a great resource. And I'm always reposting whatever uh, news items, you know, industry stuff that's happening that's going to be relevant and personal to you there. So you can kind of use that as your aggregate cool place to keep up on current events and don't need to go wasting time looking for it. I waste that time for you. Um, <laughs> that's the clown community. Uh, and then subscribe to the podcast guys, make sure all the full episodes on Tuesday in the, in the mini value bombs on Friday, get right into your phone and you can consume them as you wish. Put, uh, I don't know, 30 seconds aside, leave a rating and review that lets some people know on the outside who are thinking about kicking the tires and deciding if it's going to be a good spend of time to listen to this podcast to make them know that we're legit. And the best possible compliment that you could give Brent and I is to share it. If it's working for you, if you're a regular climber and you enjoy this podcast, then tell somebody about it. Post it on social media. Tell a friend about it. It really works out great. We've gotten some great some great uh, shout outs lately, some really mm-hmm. cool people that I were un like very surprising. That was awesome and, and validating and cool. So that means the world to us. So um, that's all for the business, Brent. Let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about what's happening here. Yes. So our, our guest today was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Kansas and music is in her genes. I don't just mean when she has, you know, song recordings in her phone in her pocket or anything. Her grandfather was a concert master violinist for the CBS Orchestra, including like the Ed Sullivan Show, which is really cool. Uh, father was a university professor of woodwinds, and her mother was a flutist, flautist, flautist, played a flute. Flautist. Plays flute. Uh, after graduating with a journalism degree from the University of Missouri, our guest made the move to Nashville to pursue a career as a songwriter. Since then, her songs have been recorded by artists including Tim McGraw, might have heard of him, Eli Youngband, might have heard of him, Gloriana, Jana Kramer, Lucy Hale, Francesca Battistelli, Pam Tillis, Lone Star, Billy Ray Cyrus, Restless Heart, and others. Uh, our guest co-wrote Mickey Guyton's debut single, Better Than You Left Me, which was named one of Billboard's 10 Best Country Songs of 2015. She also pinned the title track of McGraw's Grammy-nominated album, Two Lanes of Freedom, which was also the namesake of his 2013 summer tour, which is pretty cool. In addition to her success in the U.S. and country market, our guest also has songs released by top-selling artists in Canada and Australia. And last but certainly not least, she proudly sits on the board of the Nashville Songwriters Association International, NSAI, of which I'm a big fan. I'm repping the hat today. Our guest today is songwriter Jen Schott. Jen, welcome to The Climb. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. I want to vote for you. Will you run for office? (laughs) I would as well. (laughs) That's Uh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I do get to be, I, I'm the, the only office I hold is treasurer of NSAI. I don't even know how that really happened. Math is not my forte, but it's <laughs> really by, by name only. That's my only office. <laughs> well, just, uh, we, I don't think we're going to get into all that today, but thank you for, uh, for NSAI, for what you do there for songwriters and all over the world, really. Uh, the Music Modernization Act, you know, just got signed into law. So we're, we're still running victory laps on that. Of course, now the hard work has begun. And so right. we're talking to Bart about getting him out on the show sometime to talk about kind of what happens next. But just want to say thank you for, uh, you know, supporting NSAI and, and helping that stuff happen and fighting the good fight for, for all of us. Oh, man, it's been an exciting season and, and it's an honor to be just a tiny part of all of it. And it, obviously, I think it's a wonderful organization and uh, yeah, thrilled to be part of it. Yeah, so I actually haven't seen you in a while, but we reconnected at the uh, MMA victory party. I don't victory mean, uh, party, mixed yeah. Martial arts, the Music Modernization Act victory party. I was like, Jen, good to see you. <laughs> I know, so good to see you there. Yeah, uh, so there are a lot of things that we'd love to cover with you today, more than we'll probably have time for. But here's here's our goal, is to inspire, educate, and challenge the climbers out there, our listeners, who want to be where you are and you know who want cuts on major artists and want to have success in the music business. So that's our goal is to equip them, educate them, challenge them, inspire them, all that good stuff. You up for that? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, we're going to just dive right into it. I'm going to start off with a couple of stories. I call these cuts and bruises stories. Yeah. So your cut story, give us the story of your best cut, like your highest high, whatever that means for you, whether it's a, Hey, I got my first cut on an unknown artist and it never even got released, but that was the best moment where I thought I'm not crazy or signing your first publishing deal or getting a, like you know, the McGraw cut or whatever it might yeah. be for you. And then I want to follow that up with the, the flip side of the coin to let <laughs> people know it's not all roses. Right. The, the bruise right. story, you know, that, that lowest yeah. low that you feel comfortable sharing that moment of whether losing a publishing deal, the cut, the major cut that fell through that, you know, we've, we've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We've had that stuff. So I just want to show both sides of that. Um, so why don't you start us off with, with the, your best cut story? Yeah. Gosh. Well, I mean, it's hard to choose because I think if you're in the music business long enough, you realize any cut is a victory and a celebration and Amen. so hard to get one that when you do, um, to not take it for granted. But I think the highest high would be the McGraw would be the Tim McGraw cut. Um, just the whole way that came about, you know, it's not Jaron Johnson and I wrote the song. It wasn't like, you know, different than any other day, other than it was a pretty day out and we wrote, we wrote a fun song pretty quickly, but how it got cut, it got cut really very quickly. It went on hold the same week we wrote it. And mm. within two weeks it was cut. Wow. And so it was exciting to get that news that it got cut. But then of course you wait and go, well, it got cut, but is it going to make the record? The, you know, there's always celebration, but then there's a, but what if, Mm-hmm. And, and that process of waiting to find out if it got on the record was months and mm-hmm. nobody, the label wasn't really sharing anything. It wasn't, yes, it wasn't, no, it was just, well, we think so. It sounds great, but it was, you know, and so I remember getting a, an email invite to an event that McGraw was doing during CMA week. I guess that would have been in 2012. Said, you know, Tim McGraw invites you to this event. So I, I emailed my publisher. I said, well, does this mean we made the record? And again, he checked and he said, they're not saying, we don't know. And I'm like, well, I'm obviously going to go because I was invited, yes. but um, I really hope this is good news. I'm packing <laughs> and Kleenexes I'm, either way. Yeah, <laughs> in one way or the other. <laughs> and right. so I think it was either the day before the event or I think it was the day before the event. 
And Tim Hunsey, my publisher at the time, uh, called me. He said, check your inbox. And um, in my inbox was an email with a press release attached that said, Tim McGraw announces new album called Two Lanes of Freedom, which was our song. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, what did, you know, not only did we make the record, but we got the title track. And it was a pretty cool way to find out. And it being during the CMA week season, which is such a festive and, mm-hmm. you know, celebratory week. And then to go to that event, knowing that. So that was definitely, I'd say the highest high thus far. Thus far. Right. Yeah. Thus yeah, far. A, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad week to have that when you're bumping into everybody and that, that kind of question on everyone's mind, whether they ask it or not, say, Hey, what you got going on? Yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was definitely (laughs) the highest high for me. Yeah. Perfect timing. and just celebrate the whole week long. And then to get to hear him sing it live at the event Mm. right then, you know, um, pretty, pretty amazing. So yeah, definitely tried to soak that one in for sure. And then they named the tour after that too. Is that right? They did name the tour after that. And that was really fun too. I always joke about this at writer's nights, but I said, boy, you know, the fun part of getting a, a, title track that is also a tour name is that they're swag all of a sudden mm. you have the two lanes of freedom koozie and the mug <laughs> and i was like by golly i'm getting all of it yeah, because, yeah. you know you don't know when that's going to happen again so yeah I was, that's, I mean, did you get a deal cool. on that or uh... you know what? i actually had a friend who surprised me with some of it was which was very sweet oh um, that's good yeah but yeah that was pretty cool um so to have that and sip out of my little you know, two lanes of freedom cup from time to time, <laughs> you know, remember, remember the joy. That you're still the bomb. Yeah. 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 Every once in a while I show up to my parents' house and my dad still has his, uh, will have his Alan Jackson, you know, shirt, you know, has Alan's record, the, what I do that I was on and on the back, it has all the songs listed. So every once in a while I'll show up. My dad would be wearing some swag. Yeah. Heck yeah. Proud. Like, Proud. Yeah, dad. Got to represent. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't. I haven't had the guts to put mine on. I have one, but I, I haven't worn it out anywhere. I think <laughs> well, it's kind of like wearing your own, off me, not in a good way. Like being a rock star and wearing your own T-shirt. On yeah, stage. Exactly. Yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> gotta play Garth cool. Is, I think Garth know? is the only one that can wear his own swag. Yeah, he's got Garth such a cool do logo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I think there's a lesson in in that. You know, you wrote with Jaron Johnson, um, and you said it was like another day. Yeah, you showed up and you did your job that day. Yes. Yeah. You didn't and, you know, know that it was going to be on a koozie. No, we did not. I mean, we were like, oh, this is cool, you know, but it mm-hmm. was, it wasn't like, wow, we, you know, it, it, yeah, there was no forecasting that it would get cut or not. You know, we, mm-hmm. we did our job. And yeah, Jaron went home and did a cool little home demo. And, uh, and I remember thinking, yeah, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then, yeah, thank goodness that Tim McGraw's people thought that it was cool, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, just like any other day. Just like Showing any up. other day. Showing up. And I think that's what keeps us going. I mean, you know, there are days, and I know we're going to talk about tough times and all that. But I think part of, for me, what keeps me going is the potential of every mm-hmm. day, you know, because what if tomorrow you're like, ah, forget it. I'm not going to write. I'm not, I'm not. And what if that's the day you would have written a song that mm-hmm. would go on to, you know, potentially, yeah, be a tour name, be a CMA winner, whatever. Each day has that potential. It does. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I like it as a football, at least in football, if you're prepping for the Super Bowl, you have weeks to prepare and you step on the field and you know, you're playing the Super Bowl with songwriting. Right. Any day could be the Super Bowl. You just don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. You you, like, yeah. like I might be in the Super Bowl today. I don't even know it. 
and I don't know it. I may not know it for another two years, you know? Right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I got a ring in the mail. <laughs> right. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> right. That's, I mean, it's the same thing with like indie artists. You never know who's going to be there and, and who's going to be doing what they're doing. I just, I mean, a quick side note, like the Lonely Highway Boys were developing and we just kind of plugged them in for some uh, work at Tootsie's. It's kind of like, to me, Broadway, uh, when we bring artists in, they're from Jacksonville, we bring them in, it's like Hamburg for the Beatles, you know, it's the grind and they really get good. And they're playing, I mean, to six people on an afternoon, like uh, on a a Tuesday afternoon, and all of a sudden the the bass player is like telling his brother to sing, like, dude, I think that's Chris Young over there, who Uh just happens to know the the bartender at at Tootsie's, and they're they're doing just everything that they're showing up. Right. Mm-hmm. Do the work the way they would do it if it was 100,000 people and only six people. And afterwards, it looks like Chris Young's going to leave. He goes over to the ATM, pulls out 100 bucks, comes over, puts it in the tip jar, shakes his hand and says, I told the bartender to, to, to give you guys my number. Like, you guys are great. I mean, Amazing. you never know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Right. The potential of every day is fantastic. That, it, yeah. it really is. And boy, that that speaks to it. I think I think it's Jody Williams, and I'm probably uh, misquoting this. Jody Williams at BMI says something about you know uh, where, where luck and opportunity meet. I mean, each mm-hmm. de- you try to do your best work, but some of it is just timing and those kind of stars aligning, and you better be ready that day and better yeah. be but on. The, the, you know? the third piece of that, Jen, is preparation. So yeah, it, there it it's is. Preparation yes, yes, yes. and opportunity is what creates luck right because i I think too many people focus on not having the lucky moments or meeting the right person or uh you know they focus on what they don't have and what they're not doing is working right and just prepping 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 and then all of a sudden you get an at bat and you're like i know i know exactly how to get in the end yeah this is my day i'm ready yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, with all those positive vibes, let's kill that positive yeah, vibe. Let's do <laughs> it. And give us a bruise story. So this is one of those times. This is the other side of the coin. So we've reached, you know, the mountaintop. We got Koozie Town Population Gen, right, with Two Lanes of Freedom. And what is the flip side? Not of that particular song, maybe, but just a time where, you know, you hit that valley moment. You got yeah. that, that music business bruise that you had to overcome. Absolutely. Well, and I always say half jokingly, but not really that the music business is a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are highs, there are lows. It can change hourly, mm-hmm. uh, how you feel about it. Um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, a, I mean, gosh, I think one story that comes to mind as far as a song, this mm-hmm. was years ago. Um, Faith Hill was working on an album and I had a song that I'd written with Danny Wharton that they had mm-hmm. put on hold. And, you know, it kind of went through the gatekeepers and went through the label and they're like, we're passing it along to Faith, to Dan Huck. Everybody loved it. So we were getting excited. And, you know, it was early in my career where, you know, you get maybe a little too excited because, you know, yeah. it's exciting when any, anytime it's anyone likes cool. your song, you yeah. have to take that as affirmation and celebrate. But anyway, mm-hmm. we started getting, Danny and I both started getting congratulated that we were getting the first single. Okay, now, mind you, the song hasn't even been cut yet, mm-hmm. but we're being told, oh, man, we heard you're getting the first single, and I am over the moon. I'm like, a Faith Hill single? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, not only did it not become the first single, it didn't even get cut. Oh. Um, and so it was, that one was tough. Again, it was early on, and so I think it was a lesson of, mm-hmm. um, you know, you celebrate, but as I joke, 
I don't go shopping yet, right? You don't put too much <laughs> stake in it, but you right. know, to be congratulated on the single and it didn't even get cut um, was a tough one. And I will say it just on, uh, not even just songs, but the, you know, publishing deals can be tough too. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a really rough meeting. I'm not, do you want two lows? Um, hey, go for it. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and I think there's a lot to take away from this too. There was a meeting I had years ago with a particular publisher. Um, and it was rough. I mean, he basically <laughs> said, um, in a nutshell, there's only one person in this building that believes in you. And if it were up to me, we'd be letting you go, but that person's fighting for you. So we're going to give you one more year. Good luck. And I would, devastated. I mean, that was hard to hear. Um, it's, of course it would be. And it that, that was a hard one. That was a low. There were tears again. Mm -hmm. This was early in my career, but, um, I had to kind of step back and, and take a break for a minute of writing and, and of why I was doing it, where, where, what my purpose was in it. And I kind of came back with fire. It kind of added fuel to my fire ultimately after a break. And I was kind of like, well, I'll show him and, um, in a good way. And it, it inspired me to write five songs by myself. I remember I went in and I recorded those five songs and I marched them into his office. So I guess there is a positive in this too, is that, um, he ended up liking some of those songs. It was the first time he personally pitched my songs. Nice. So, but that one took me down. That one took me mm. down for a minute, but you have to just keep getting up, you know? Yeah. Got to keep so, getting up. So you connected with your why. Yeah. Why you're yes. Doing- yeah. Yeah. You have to circle what, back around to that. What is the why for you? I think, I think, I feel like there's a couple reasons. I feel like there are a couple whys. I think I can't imagine creating is in me. I mean, whether I was doing it for a living or not, it's in me. And my hope in that is kind of twofold of what I create. I hope, obviously I think the dream is that it affects someone out there, whether it be one person or masses that something you write has a, an, an impact on somebody. But I think also on a um, more micro level, each day that I'm in the writing room, when I'm collaborating with somebody, whether it be an artist or another writer, that that experience is good. And that when I'm creating, co-creating, that the other person feels heard, that they walk away having a good experience. If it's an artist that we're crafting something for them, I feel like that's part of my why too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't imagine not creating. It's just in me. And, and I hope that it comes out and affects others. In the writing room and beyond. Cool. Yeah, Infinity I know and when, beyond. Yeah. When seasons take me away from uh, from being creative, I'm not able to do that as much. I'm not as good of a me. <laughs> yeah. As, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's in you. Yeah. yeah. Like if yeah. you don't get it out, you're going to explode. It, right. it becomes toxic. <laughs> I, I've heard it said, like, if you don't let that part of you out, it, it stays inside and it's like still waters. They, they become toxic, you know, it's, it's got to flow or it gets toxic and you become toxic. I know that's true for me. It's, uh, yeah, I can be yeah. you know, plenty selfish and otherwise <clears throat> anyway, but uh, when I'm not going to do what I'm put here to do that, it, yeah. Not good. It can get, yeah, it's got to come out. It's got to come out. It's got to flow. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's seasons of it. I mean, there's times where you, we all feel less creative and times where it feels like it's, it's really prolific, but, um, and grateful when that happens and to learn to just embrace both seasons, you know, cause mm. it shows back up. It always shows back up. It does. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, now you've been, and I'm touched on this a little bit in the, uh, pre, um, 
you know, introduction, I guess, but you're doing some speaking. Colleges, uh, corporate events, that kind of stuff. Yes. And one of your topics is the power of persistence. And I think the the story of those blows, the bruises, dovetails beautifully yeah. into that. Yeah. Tell us a little bit your your thoughts on persistence, how that has played a role in your your songwriting and in your career. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think it's a huge part of my career. And really anybody that's in it and hanging in there, because we all, I mean. I don't even know how many times I've heard no in my career from the get-go. I mean, Mm -hmm. no, we're not interested on signing you. No. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. We don't like this song for this artist. You know, it, it's, it's constant. And if you take it all in and you don't have persistence, that's it. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have had mm-hmm. so many opportunities had I not persisted. And of course, it's easier said than done. Right. But I think, and it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking before too, like the potential of each day, like to persist and show back up because what if today's the day that you write a song that, goes on to be something massive mm-hmm. and a career changer, you know? Um, but yeah, it's easier said than done for sure. And I think, um, especially in today's society, there's so much we see. Um, it's easy to see the success of others, whether it be on social media or whatever it is, and to compare, right? To look mm-hmm. left, look right. And, and to kind of, I kind of talk about keeping those blinders on and persist in your path because nobody else can do you Mm-hmm. Um, like you do and, and to just walk your path, you know? Yeah. I've heard social media and like, especially like Instagram and some of that stuff, you you're watching other people's highlight reels where you see your right. own backstage pass, you know, you see your own blooper reel, but other people are only putting up their highlight reels. And when you compare, oh, that's a good two, way to put that. It's somewhere. Andy Stanley or something. But, yeah. uh, and but science, by the way, scientifically, Jen, you, I mean, you said, it sounds, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. That's absolutely true. But when you look at the necessity part of it, scientifically, nobody ever drove 
from zero to success with an unbroken boulevard of green lights. Right? 100%. Like, right. Absolutely. 100% of everybody has to learn how to deal with adversity, has to learn how to, um, you know, keep going to, you know, be persistent. I think uh, we, we said this in the last interview we did, but it's bears repeating right here. I mean, uh, I think the statistic is that 50% of people quit after the first failure. Yeah. 85% of the people quit after the second failure and 95% quit after the third failure. So if you just hang out longer than everybody else, man, the, the herd gets thinner. <laughs> the law of odds. That's right. Your odds are going right. to increase the longer you hang in. For sure. And, uh, and you get and better at your craft. You get exactly. better at your craft and you get to know more people. And also you know, the story of the publisher that didn't believe in you. You said that was early in your career. And yeah. so looking through your list of some of your cuts and stuff, it looks like that was before several of your cuts. That was probably it, before the McGraw yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, before maybe the Eli Young, the Mickey Guyton stuff that was before all that, right? Yes, so, it was. Yeah. You know, you came to a fork in the road. For one thing, you could have, you went, you connected with your Y and you, you busted your butt and you wrote songs and you, you aimed like, I'm going to write better songs and found yes. some stuff that that publisher liked. So many ways you could have gone wrong. You could have yeah. blown up and burned a bridge with that publisher yep. and said, fine, I'm just going to sit on my butt and not do much until my options up or whatever. And you drop me and whatever, or right. I'm going to partially finish a bunch of songs. So I have a whole bunch of songs that are ready for <laughs> the next thing. Right. Right. Um, but you didn't, you went and you worked and you was like, okay, well here, try this on. Yeah. And yeah. so you didn't ruin the relationship. I had a, a deal where, um, when right after Monday morning church got cut, I was working part-time at a, at Blue Water Music at a, doing royalty and admin work. So I wasn't even writing at that time. It was before I had my first publishing deal. So I'm just trying to figure out what to do with this, this cut. And anyway, I got canned like a week or two before the record came out. Might've had something to do with, I didn't sign that song with them. I don't know, but <laughs> you know, I could have just gone off and been whatever, you know, cause I got let go. Thing is, Hey, it's cool. This is God closing one door. He's opening yeah. something else that gave me the push to, to really go for a publishing deal, which I ended up landing. And what's my, you know, my relationship now with Blue Water? They admin Monday morning church for me. They do the administration that. work. They collect that yeah. money worldwide for a percentage of it. You know, that's what they do. They do it really well. And I know the people there and I have a good relationship with them. If yeah. I had gone off, then I, I'd be, have to go off and find somebody else to that's right. work, do that work for me. And so long term, well, yeah. it's wise to, to take your lumps with grace. Absolutely. I mean, I think no matter what business you're in, that's hugely important. And we all, you know, we're in the music business and it's musical chairs too. Mm -hmm. We never know when we're going to be circling back around working with folks that we worked with 10 years ago. Um, and as far as that situation went, I will say that publisher honored that last year of my deal 100%. And I was included in, in retreats and I, you know, I respected him for that, um, mm -hmm. very much. And of course today have a just fine, a fine relationship with him. And yeah, we all have to, you know, some of these conversations, it's, it ain't easy, but yeah, you have to, um, that's when you kind of have to put on your business hat and your humility hat and, uh, and move forward. Mm -hmm. I agree. So did you take that, uh, that conversation as, well, this person just doesn't know what they're talking about, or I need to hunker down and write better songs. Like what was your, 
I think it was the because I know right at the beginning it was like I just want to curl up and die probably. Yeah. Go go step by step through the everything. Like what happened the second he said that? Because I'll bet you you had a wide range of emotions. Yeah. I think people will connect with that. I think that would be good. Would you can you do you feel comfortable sharing that? Sure, sure, sure. So I think initially I was well, I was shocked because I think, you know, you think, well, I'm showing up, I'm doing my work. And yeah, I've definitely had room to grow as a writer, but I remember I did have a single out at the time. It wasn't theirs. It was from a different deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was kind of baffled that he would say that. And I was like, wait a minute, but I have this thing out, you know? Yeah. Um, most people never get. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it just was, I was, I remember leaving and just trying to keep my composure once I left um, the meeting and then just, you know, then getting really upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then later I will say someone else at the, I, there was some, there was some bad context text to it that made it make a little more sense to me as to why it felt so harsh. And I think mm-hmm. it was because that publisher maybe had a disagreement with my point person, like maybe caught a little bit of the brunt of that. So that gave me a little bit more understanding um, but yeah, I mean, boy, I was just like, I'm not going to be able to write for a while. I got to take, take a step away. It was, it was hard, but I'm in a way grateful for it. Cause I think like we all have to be seasoned and toughened and you hope you're get toughened the right way, Brent, kind of like you were talking about to, to have grace through it and, um, have the foresight of like, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to value this relationship still. And I will say the following year when we had a follow-up meeting, he, um, he, yeah, I don't think he said, I'm sorry, but he, he said, I didn't realize that meeting had the, you know, such a negative impact on you. And so it it was acknowledgement. There was some healing and the whole thing and yeah, came out for it better. And yeah, I mean, how did he know? I think my point person there had a conversation with him because my point person obviously saw how upset I was. Um, and we talked and that's, about, the, that's the one person that believed the, in you. Yes. That believed in me. <laughs> in the yeah, so, right. and, and I will say this publisher was known a little bit for not the best bedside manner. I don't think I knew that at the time, but since <laughs> then I've heard others. So I was like, okay, I was not alone. And, and maybe, you know, having a tough meeting. So yeah, but you grow from it, and now I can laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, for all you climbers out there, this is success. Yeah. This is moving to Nashville, getting a publishing deal, having a song on the radio. You talking about the highlight reel versus the backstage pass? Yes. Yeah. This is it. I mean, it is. Had a single yeah. on the radio, and the same week, guy saying nobody believes in you except for one person. And I want to fire you right now, but I can't. At Welcome to You can't write that crap. You can't write that. Like, no. <laughs> it's not linear. It's for anybody, and I think you know we see sometimes somebody that comes right to town and has success right out of the gate, and and then there's that. There's kind of that trek, and mm-hmm. then there's the slow build. There's the had a song that don't have a song for five years, having a song. I mean, it's, it's not linear. It's but mm-hmm. you know, over, over time, over a long span of time it is, but you got to take that roller coaster ride to get there. And every single yeah. one of those scenarios, Jen, all has a bucket load of bruises to go along totally. with mm-hmm. the hits. Like, totally. and, you know, there's a, di- there's a new set of challenges when you're coming to town and right off the bat, 
you're a hit songwriter yeah. and you've got to adjust mentally to that. We talked about that a couple episodes ago, Brent, with the guy who's like, well, this is how we write hit songs. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. he, he had a big old hit, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and, or, or having all that attention, right? All that demand now yes, for your product. Pressure. Okay. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and, but you don't have, maybe you don't have a backlog. Maybe you don't have a hundred songs that you've written that they, right. that they have, you know, and maybe that first coming into your own where you really got your head around, I think I, starting to feel uh, the flow on how to, how to do this uh, on a regular consistent basis where you take that ne- next rung up the ladder and that was your first one. And now, whoo, you got to get to work, right? Right, The right. slow burn with the guy where you got to live through the slow burn, the slow burn, the slow burn, and then finally you get one and then you're like, all right, look at the store is open. Come and check out this stuff. Right, <laughs> keep that door. You just, you know, lean into that door and keep it open as long as you can, but yeah, boy. And, it's, and it's have the art of, of humility and how yeah. to how to deal with the nose, to your point, Jen, with grace. Because now all these other people are not pissed off at you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they yeah. just see you like you're still there. You're still yeah. there. You're still, still there. there. Maybe they don't know why you're still there, but then you get a hit and they're like, Oh, now I get it. Let's go back and revisit some of those songs that I sing. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, yes. so it's 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 all it's all it's every single make no mistake, every single one has a challenge. Uh, you know, uh, uh, its own set of challenges. And just one other thing I wanted to add is all this stuff that we're talking about with Jen can be extrapolated down to, uh, you know, your local music scene too. Like these same, these same stats, these same strategies, these same behaviors, the same outlook, you know, you can start there and you never know what's going to happen in that town while you're navigating your way to Nashville and you're getting here. But there's right. co-writers that you work with and the, and how you deal with uh, the politics of that um, is, is equally as important. It's the grace. It's the understanding. It's the, when you don't understand going back and regrouping before you lash out and let your emotions overtake your intelligence, you know? Yeah. 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 That's very well. Yeah. It applies at any point in your career and no, yeah. no matter where you are. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah, I think one thing uh, kind of brought up from from that story, too, is uh, you put myself in those shoes. And I've definitely had those times where, uh, you know, I've been down and been punched in the gut by the business and and or just the grind of going, God, I'm not getting any cuts. And, you know, you and I have probably both seen plenty of people that just are cynical at this point. Yeah, don't believe it's possible. Yep. And I think it's so important to hang on to that belief. Like when I see that, like cynical, like, Oh, it's just, you know, you got to write with the R you got to be one of these three people to get, I, I'm not in a hurry to get back in the room with those people. I'm with you. It's like, if I yeah. don't believe that success is possible, I'm not going to write my best song. I mean, how has that played yeah. out for you? Like, did you have yeah. to come back to that place of, you know, uh, you know, if it shakes your faith and, and your ability or the possibility to, to get back on that and to say, okay, how do I, how do I keep this belief? Yeah. I mean, you have, you have to keep circling back around to your why, to the joy mm-hmm. of it. And yeah, I remember very early on, I mean, I don't even know if I'd signed my first deal yet, writing with a couple guys that had been in town a long, long time. And a couple of them were very um, resentful, pretty bitter about mm-hmm. everything's changing. Uh, they got row rage. Yeah. They got row rage. Row I love rage. that. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I love that. And I, but I remember even then consciously saying to myself, if I ever start feeling that way, 
then I don't need, I, then I don't need to be doing this. Then, then, then I need to step away. I don't want to be that. It, I, it really affected me. And so, yeah, I mean, and I think we all have our times of, of internal struggle and turmoil in this career, but mm-hmm. yeah, boy, I just, I don't want to be that way. And, um, to be flexible and to be open and, and to be willing to adapt. Cause I think no matter what business you're in, things change. I mean, mm-hmm. it, things change and to not, to be open to it. Cause you look at their guys that have been here 30, 40 years and it's the guys and gals, I'm sorry, just guys in general, um, mm-hmm. that are willing to adapt and being open to new ideas, open to new, working with new people. They're still here, but the, the, the resentful, bitter folks, are not and no one wants to work with that like you said i'm like you know each day that i'm in the writing room that you're in the writing room really counts and you want to be in there with somebody that has the same mindset as you Mm -hmm. you know yeah because if they don't believe it how hard are they going to work to get it cut right (laughs) for one thing exactly they don't believe it yeah even if for somehow you still bring all your creativity to bear which doesn't flow as well when you're not in a state of belief that it can happen even if somehow we still write an incredible song, how hard are you going to go out to turn over every rock looking for a cut if you right. believe it's not going to happen anyway? Because you're going to find right. enough evidence to come to the verdict you've already come to and, and then go ahead and stop. Whereas the people exactly. that believe are going to make it, do their best to make it happen because they believe it's going to happen. So now they just yeah. got to get to that yes. Some uh, positive, so think, positive thinking there and belief yeah. and faith. You know, The, the victim yeah. mentality too, it just is yeah. a mental turnoff <clears throat> like in a big way. <sighs> Mm-hmm. It is. It is. I'm just like, life's too short to, yeah. to be, to, right? to have that energy, you know? Amen. That's so, that's so right. You got to count. Now you got to count your blessings, not worry about your folks on what they don't have. You know? Well, yeah. And I mean, and, and that's, we all have to come back to that too, of what a cool thing this is, even in when we're, you know, Oh, this song's not on hold yet, but you know what? We got to sit in a room and make something up and create something from nothing. Mm-hmm. And that was our job. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective here, you know, perspective. That's right. We we had the the Lonely Highway Boys. They did that show. We did the show in uh, Missouri. And they're they're from Jacksonville. They're young, Jen. Their average age is like 24. And they're freaking out. Like, they're all packed into one truck. And Randy and I are driving together. And they're freaking out. They're like, we're getting paid to go see the Mississippi river and St. Louis. Like we've never been here before. Like I, I just love that. Love that was such a fresh, I was like, yes. Oh man, I remember thinking that like when I was an artist, I'm like, we're seeing the badlands and devil's tower and, and people spend money to do this. I'm getting paid to do this. This is on my amazing. way. To my- yeah. The most excited <laughs> people rolling into Columbia, Missouri. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Love it. College yeah. town, by the way. Um, yes. Yeah. Town. No, it is. It's like it's coming back to that from time to time. That awe of like, wow, this is really cool. You know, mm-hmm. step back. I think about the kid I was in college, dreaming of Nashville and what that was. Or anytime I saw a tour bus going down the highway, wonder who's in it. Just that awe and like, yeah, yeah. It changes. It changes when you're in it, but to still be able to remember that. That's right. Did you go to Mizzou? I did go to Mizzou, yeah, M-I-Z. Uh, just in your town. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was four years, a good four years there. I was uh, very grateful for for my time there. Four? You must not like college well enough. I like college <laughs> so much, I smell like six. Oh, I was ready to get to Nashville. Ready to get to Nashville. What yeah. was it that, just because uh, I know we're, we're you know running, getting towards the end here, but what was it that that pushed you to Nashville? Like, when did you start writing songs? 
Yeah. So, well, I grew up in a musical house, as I know Brent kind of gave the, the bio. But uh, yeah, I, I think my first, well, my first song was at age two and a half. It's a brilliant piece of work called Blue Jay <laughs> Sitting on My Window. Nice. <laughs> Sounds like a bluegrass song, probably something like that. Oh. I think we just lost her. She's are you are you there? There we go. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, there, okay. Phone, sorry about that. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, really got serious about writing songs when I was probably um, just becoming a teenager. I think 13, 14 um, on the piano ballads, you know, sappy. It, it will date me to say it was, it was, um, was heavily influenced by Debbie Gibson, mm-hmm. Tiffany. It was these oh. power ballads. Um, but I didn't know being a kid from Kansas that this was a career, that it could be a career. And um, in, in college on my summer's home, well, three of the summer's home, I worked at a country radio station in my hometown of Pittsburgh called KKOW. And that lit the fire in me for country music. I'd lis- listened to some in high school, but, you know, being around it eight hours a day for all week long. I mean, fell in love with it. It was mid nineties. It was Ooh. great music. And, um, I still didn't know it could be a career, but I knew I loved it. And by the time I was a senior in college, I'd actually had a job offer in Kansas City um, at a PR firm. I'd interned there once my, my junior year. I'd interned there and they said, come back when you graduate, you have a job. And it was a great company. It would have been a great job. And I was planning on it. And um, last semester of college, I had to sit down with one of my advertising professor, professors, Suzette Hyman. She wanted to sit down with each of us, talk about our plan, what, look at our resume, what's our future. And so I told her, I said, well, I think I'm going to go back to Kansas City, take this job. I said, but eventually I want to move to Nashville and, and be in the music business. And uh, she just stopped me right there and said, why eventually? Why wouldn't you go the minute you graduate? And I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) I had limited my thinking and she, she really turned and here was an advertising professor telling an advertising major to, to go to Nashville. And it, and, and I'm so, we keep in touch. In fact, I've gone back to the zoo and and done a couple things with her and yeah, boy. And so then I got here, I got to Nashville, still not knowing you could write songs for a living. I thought, well, I'll show up and try to get a job and learn. Maybe I can sing someday. But my first job, fortuitously, was working for a music publisher, Tom Collins, Collins Music, answering phones, typing in lyrics. And that was my 101 into publishing. And immediately, then I was like, that's that's what I want to do. I write Mm -hmm. songs. There's a place for that. So got down to work on um, learning guitar and writing at night and finding other young writers that were working all day that wanted to write at night and was in town three years, um, almost to the date before being able to sign my first deal. And I still didn't feel ready, but I was so excited that somebody thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. My, my first gig when I got to Nashville was at Blue Water Music and it was royalty and, uh, you know, admin. It was data entry. I was putting in like Jim Lauderdale and Kim Ritchie's and wow. Chris Knight's, you know, royalty statements into the system so they could get paid and learn about licensing and that stuff. So I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to write, but that was my introduction into the business side of it, other than just some books I'd read, but it was. Yeah. And they don't advertise those those jobs on Monster. I mean, no, they how'd you, don't. How'd you get your job with Tom Collins? Oh, this is kind of crazy. So I had never even been is. to Nashville before. Uh, I knew I wanted to move to Nashville. But I thought, you know what? I better go down there and just make sure. And mm-hmm. I better take some resumes and try to get a job. 
Mm-hmm. And so I had done, you know, it was really before internet was like what it is now or email is what it is now. So I had written a couple letters to some people and I'd done my research and written a letter to somebody at the CMA that, you know, worked in PR. So could you refer any companies that might be good to talk to? And he mailed me back some information. And then there was a contact through the radio station back home. So I came down here with a stack of resumes and I literally walked up and down music where it was like June. It was so hot. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, I ended up getting a job offer with the radio folks that they'd introduced me to. And then I went into the CMA. I just walked in and mm-hmm. wanted to meet that guy and just thank him in person. And he wasn't there that day. But um, I don't know if these things would happen these days, but somebody said, oh, is this your first time in Nashville? Well, let, let, let me walk you through the building. Let me show you the building. And so I'm just mm-hmm. like, this is the most amazing thing. Yeah. And somebody overheard me saying that I was looking for a job. And they said, oh, well, there's this company down the street called Collins Music. They're looking for somebody. Tell them I sent you. And so that was how it happened. <laughs> so I went awesome. and interviewed with them. I interviewed with them twice within a couple of days. And they offered the job. I flew home. Mm-hmm. And my parents helped me move a week later. So I'm really glad I did it when I did it before I, you know, when I was young and fearless and just went yes. for it. That's yeah. awesome. My, my thing through Blue Water came, um, I was, I rented a room for my uncle's mother-in-law lived in Nashville, out in West Nashville. So my uncle, my aunt is from here. And so she had a room open. So I rented a room from her. One of the other roommates worked at Billboard. He knew a guy and somehow word of mouth, like, hey, Blue Water's looking. So I interviewed, didn't get the job because that job went to somebody who had experience in that particular type of data system. And then that person had a bad back and couldn't sit for four hours and do data entry. So I got the call. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. It's like, sorry about your back, but this was my job. But this is my chance. This yeah. This is my job to get on the road. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that something? Well, and it is. It's like all these, I mean, both of those stories and it kind of comes down to all, but it's all somewhat but it's all relationships it's all talking mm. to somebody and you know you we all talk to young writers or how do i get it, it get in and it's like there's no one way other than doing the work and mm. and trying to make those relationships however organically it is whether it's accidentally walking into the cma and something <laughs> happening like that or like you said applying for something and then them reaching back out and through the relationships that you had so mm-hmm. yeah one thing leads to the next Amen. Crazy. um Couple things. One is, where can climbers find you online? I know you. How can they, you know, hear your music, book you for a speaking gig, that sort of stuff? And then I want to talk about what's on your wall behind you because I think that'd be great. Oh, yeah. Okay. So where can we find you online? So um, I have a website. It's um, jenshot.com, and that's Jen with two N's, J-E-N-N, and last name S-C-H-O-T-T dot com. And yeah, there is a form that folks can fill out, and it comes direct to my inbox. So I'll, I'll get your message and uh, feel free to reach out. Excellent. Okay. So Johnny had asked this earlier, uh, eagle eyed Johnny there, there's <laughs> two frames on your wall behind you. So tell us what they are and, and what they mean. Cause I think that kind of sums up everything that we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah. So again, I grew up in Kansas and um, the Kansas state motto that's on the flag is ad astra per aspera, which is Latin for to the stars through difficulties. And as a kid, we had to learn that and it's always stuck with me. And I just think it means so much. Um, and so, yeah, last year I found a little shop on Etsy that would mm-hmm. make, that made the signs for me. And I thought how appropriate and put it in my, in my writing room, in my office and kind of a daily reminder of, um, you know, we got to pursue 
through those bruises to mm-hmm. keep to keep going to to reach those stars. Through the yeah. stars through difficulties. That's yep. perfect. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I saw that right away. I'm like, wait a second. Like, what is that sign? She's from the mothership. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Jen. Well, thank you for having me. I've had fun getting to visit with you guys. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Good to to reconnect with you. Good getting to know you, too. Well, absolutely. Thank you. uh, All right. Um, Well, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode here, guys. Once again, uh, if you haven't joined the climb community, please do so. Just uh, ask to be let in on Facebook, and we'll let you in. There's a lot of really great information going back and forth just amongst the members. And then, of course, when you know a heavy question comes up, Brent and I will jump in depending on whose lane that is. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and get all the episodes in order, and you can consume them when you want. Leave a 30-second rating and review, hopefully a five-star rating. Uh, take 30 seconds and leave a rating and review, hopefully a five-star rating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then finally, share it with somebody. Let people know. You know. Put it out on social media if it's working for you. You can turn somebody else on to it. And, um, I mean, if you got turned on to it and you're thanking the person that turned you on to it, you can be cool, too, when you share it. So, you know, that's the best compliment you can give us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, this podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.